Welcome to Motherbirth. I'm your host, Melissa Reeves, and I'm a holistic coach, doula, and healer. Join me and inspiring guests as we share the stories, wisdom, and transformation of motherhood and invite you to step courageously down the path of your own birth as a mother. Lisa Reeves here. It has been such a long time since we've done an episode of Mother Birth. Um, actually, the last episode was last November, so it's been almost a year, and I can't believe it's already summer. Um, so much has shifted in the last few months around here, and I wanted to just fill you guys in. Um, if you've been following along on Instagram, you've heard little bits and pieces of the why and the how. Laura and I, who started this show originally together, have gone in different directions in full support of each other. Laura graduated this spring with her doctorate in nurse midwifery, so she is focused on building a midwifery practice. And I've been focusing on working with women around trauma and embodiment and healing and the intuition of motherhood and the transformation of motherhood. So this space, this podcast is going to really be a container for those conversations and and it's it won't be just birth stories as we focused on in the past but really exploring what healing looks like through motherhood exploring what embodiment looks like exploring um, our connection to ourselves and to our children and, and the worlds around us. So I'm really excited for this to emerge. Uh, Laura and I will also be doing episodes, special episodes together every now and again where she comes on as a guest expert and we can chat about all things pregnancy, birth, and reproductive health. So I'm really excited about that. We're also going to be hosting live conversations on Instagram with each guest on the show. So as you're listening to this first episode that we've done in almost a year, um, just reflect on any burning questions that you have or things that you love for us to go a little deeper on or talk more about. And you can email those to me at melissa at motherbirth.co. And I'll have instructions at the end of the episode on uh, connecting with us on Instagram next week for that follow-up conversation with our guest today. So thanks so much for all your support over the last couple of years as this has grown and shifted and changed and supported us and supported this community. Um, this is going to be an amazing episode and we have several amazing episodes coming up as well. So thanks again for being here, for listening, for sharing, um, and I can't wait. Hey everyone, welcome to Mother Birth Today. I'm here with a special guest that I'm really excited to be talking with today. Um, we have been kind of just interacting with each other on social media, which is how I feel a lot of these conversations get birthed is just from, you know, having this interaction and, and realizing that, oh gosh, there's some amazing things we could talk about. Um, so today I have Tamara Iglesias. Did I say that right? Yeah, Tamara. Yeah. Okay, awesome. We were just talking about when you have difficult or, or different or unique pronunciations of names, how um, how you tend to pay a lot of attention. So um, I'm really excited to talk to her today because we are going to get into conscious parenting and how that is part of our own journeys as mothers and as women um, that doesn't begin just at the point that we have our first baby. It's something that goes back so much deeper and so much further into our past. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so we can start there and then we can dive in. Sure. Um, 
So, yes, I am a conscious parenting coach. My company is Welly Nest. Um, what inspired my work was actually the birth of my own daughter. Um, I had been doing health coaching and prenatal coaching and wellness and lots before my daughter arrived, but it was really the birth of um, my girl that I realized the way I wanted to parent her, the way I wanted to raise her, the way I wanted to respect and interact with her, I couldn't find the resources or tools or something that like deeply resonated mm. with my my soul. And I, I, I felt I was this conscious human and on this path to consciousness. And I, I feel like there's never really arriving, right? It's this continual journey of unraveling and relearning and reparenting, which we were just talking about. Um, and so I kind of birthed this um, philosophy and this way of being that led me to what I feel is my deepest calling on the planet outside of being my girl's mama, which I feel I lived many, many lifetimes to have the privilege of being able to do right now is also mm. to help as many families as possible be able to step onto this conscious parenting journey, which is really the the, the journey of healing ourselves, um, because that's what I believe parenting is. It's truly an opportunity for us to evolve as humans. Mm -hmm. And the more we evolve, the more we heal the pieces and the patterns of ourselves, the more that we can show up whole to our children and teach them wholeness. And this embodiment of wholeness, I think is really the path to the future. It's of self, the path to self-worth, the path the path to self-loving, the path to awareness, which is what I think we're all in this process of trying to remember. You know, as much as we're also reparenting ourselves, I think we're in this process of remembrance, of remembering who we truly are, remembering all the things we forgot, which I believe are true power, you know, our true authenticity, our true vulnerability, all of these things that we came into the world knowing. So I always say that, you know, our job as parents, as much as it, it's healing, it's also getting out of our child's way as much as possible to allow them to blossom into their own unique um, selves. Mm -hmm. And realizing how separate they are. So often that parenting journey, it melds together, you know, parent and child. This is my child. They're so much like me. Mm -hmm. They are me. And then we, we kind of weave together our own pain and suffering and hurt onto our child. And it gets really mucky. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's, it, and many people ask, you know, what, what my journey to here even before this was. And I think my deepest journey to becoming a coach and, you know, a healer and all of these things was my own healing journey. And I feel like that for me really awakened at around the age of 19. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for me, it was kind of like a crumbling of life events and really having to like check deep within myself. Like, why am I here? What do I want? what is my purpose? And of course, I didn't know how to answer any of those questions back then. But then it was this, you know, many decade journey of wanting to find those answers and searching deep within myself and outside myself and support and healers and, and all of this. And, and if I go back even more, there was a period of a, I had a career on Wall Street for almost a decade. So there was many life changes along the way. So I've lived many <laughs> many different um yeah many different cycles and periods of my life as most most of us yeah, do right well, I, I really relate to that because I 
spent over a decade um, in a real estate career and owned my own real estate company. And, and it was, it was a very fruitful season of my life and not something that I regret, but it was also, it came to a very clear end and, and I knew it was time for me to, to move on from that and specifically on into like stepping into my own, my own healing and my own transformation in a way that, that I had not, not, I, I won't say wasn't able to, I hadn't chosen to up until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely relate to that as well. It, it, let's go back to that 19 year old version of yourself. Was there something specific that, that kind of activated that, that healing journey for you? Yeah, I think, I mean, it was many years coming. Um, I had suffered from an eating disorder from 12 to 19, while at the same time, I was this straight A student, uh, varsity athlete, I'd gotten a scholarship to run at college. And I had just thrown myself too hard, too long, and crashed. You know, I got mono. I was asked from my college um, to take a leave of absence because they found out about the eating disorder through heart palpitations and it wasn't safe for me to be at school anymore. And so my whole world, you know, my whole perfect facade of a world, you know, like popular girl in school, varsity athlete, straight A student from the outside looking in, like everything was bright and shiny, right? And many times those lives, and we see that today, you know, and social media is such a great example of that, like all this bright and shiny stuff on the outside and deep suffering on the inside. Um, So my whole world came crashing down of what I knew. And I had to ask myself some really, really serious deep, vulnerable questions. And the biggest question at that point at 19 was, do I want to live? Do I want to keep going? And it was such a resounding yes. It was so clear when I was in that eating disorder, disorder hospital, I had to get checked in and go through treatment and everything. I had this awareness of this is not my path. This is not what you're supposed to be doing, Tamara. Like, you are meant to be here to do something. And it was so clear and I had no clue what it was, but what it awakened in me was a fight. And so I fought in there and I got better and I never went back to the hospital. And it was really, you know, it wasn't straight uphill, but it was an uphill healing journey. And um, I think having everything crumble like that at such a young age was such a blessing and such an opportunity for me because I think, and I've seen it, you know, when adults or humans go their whole life without much um, uh, struggle and obstacles, and then in their adult life, something big happens, it can be really debilitating. So I had to learn, you know, these tools and this healing and this unraveling and all of this at a really young age. Because even once I got better from my um, eating disorder, then my health fell apart because I had taken such poor care of myself for years. So, you know, I was working on Wall Street, super successful. My life was great. And all of a sudden, you know, I had no energy, couldn't wake up in the morning, started gaining weight. My hair was falling out. All of these things were happening. And I, you know, spent $10,000 in two months trying to figure out what was going on with me. And turns out I finally fell into the hands of some good holistic practitioners and I had gotten hypothyroidism disease and I had holes in my stomach and food allergies and just a slew of things that then I had to go back once I was well, Mm -hmm. right? I was finally taking care of myself. Then my health fell apart and I had to reheal 
all of that. And I, I did it naturally, actually. And I ended up pulling myself off of thyroid medication and kind of went on this self-healing journey, which I'm not recommending that to everyone. This was my deep passion. So I dove, you know, um, you know, everything in, head, feet, hands, all of it first. And I was just really determined uh, to get well. You know, I was told years ago I wouldn't be able to have children. And I have a very healthy five-and-a-half-year-old little girl and um, all, of, all of these things. I'm not on thyroid medication. I have a healthy thyroid. You know, I don't have food allergies. Just, you know, I've been able to heal from everything, which um, I'm so grateful for. Well, that's amazing. And I think what that really shows is that, you know, our physical bodies are so connected to all of these other different layers of our being. And if we're willing to go in and do the work of healing our emotional selves, our spiritual selves, our mental selves, then our physical bodies can can also heal and, and not just like manage or, or endure or get by, but actually heal. Yeah, it's so connected, so connected. And of course, a piece of this was, you know, healing from my childhood, healing from my wounds, healing from the pain and suffering that, of course, we all have, right? And it's just a matter if if we have the opportunities to bring it to our awareness, if we're willing to look at it, if we're willing to heal from it, if we're willing to step closer to it, you know, because sometimes it can be really scary. And I find the the more that we invite the darkness and the pain like into our life to look at versus running from it, the more opportunity we have to heal from it. Mm. Yes, I agree. <laughs> can, can we fast forward to when you were pregnant and, yeah. you know, giving birth and postpartum with your daughters? That was five and a half years ago, you said? Yeah, or she'll say five and three quarter years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my son is like about to turn seven or sorry, about to turn 10. And he's like, I'm nine and 23, 24. <laughs> I love you. Amazing. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so what, what I have experienced and, you know, in my work with women and in doing this show, what is such a clear theme is that either women have not embarked on their own inner healing journey before becoming mothers, or they have, and then discover a new layer of it when they become mothers. And so what Mm -hmm. was that like for you? Was there, was there kind of a new layer that unfolded? Was there anything that was triggered? Was there anything that you hadn't looked at before? Yeah. So, um, I would definitely put myself in the category of being on a healing journey before my daughter came. I think Mm -hmm. it was vital to be able for me to be able to even step into motherhood. Um, and, um, I had gotten, um, kind of intuitive downloads and, um, hits that my daughter was coming years before she came. And so I, um, I was working on myself. I had gotten, I think in 2009, I was sitting in meditation for one of the first times in my life, like deep meditation. I was just getting exposed to it. And the clear message came through that you're having a daughter, you need to heal your wounds and you need to heal the abuse cycle in your family so you don't pass it on to your daughter. It was so clear. And I was like, whoa, okay. And so I had four years before my daughter came that I dove even deeper into kind of beyond the physical healing to like the emotional, spiritual lineage healing. Um, But what I would say is that when I got pregnant, all the work that I thought I had done came back to me. And it Mm -hmm. was almost like a testing 
are you really healed from this? Are you really okay with this? Can you really sit with this? Is this something you're no longer triggered by? So I found that during my pregnancy, a lot of things resurfaced and it was Mm -hmm. an opportunity to revisit them from such a stronger seat because I was such a different person. I really felt I was a woman that had been in the process of loving herself for years. And when I found out I was pregnant, it was a bit of a surprise and a bit of a shock. But within a week or two, I looked in the mirror one day and I had this deep, deep inner knowing that I was like, I've got this. I can do this. You know, I can protect and take care of this girl. And that inner knowing just created this safety within me where I felt safe to be a mama. Um, But yes, so many things came back up. Uh, You know, I even had like a moment, I had a panic attack when I was pregnant, which I hadn't had a panic attack in like 10 plus years. And I was like, whoa, okay, I need to like, look at these things again and and face them. And, and then of course, when I became a mama, I found it all over again. And I, I was in such an even stronger seat. I don't know about you, but there was something the birth of my daughter and stepping into motherhood that really um, pushed me into the most powerful place that I've ever been in, in my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am such a different woman than I was pre-motherhood and so much stronger and in different ways. You know, I thought like working on Wall Street and, you know, tripling my income and this and that and like all this was power and like, no, like where I am now, now I sit in a powerful seat, you know, in a humble, vulnerable, sensual, feminine, powerful seat. Mm-hmm. which is so different than I what I thought power was years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it can be projected in many different ways and embodied in many different ways, but this way, this way works for me. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I love that arc that you just shared. And I would say that my experience was kind of the opposite of that. I, and not that I hadn't experienced any healing in my life, in my journey before becoming a mother, but for me, the, the transition to motherhood was very, very evidently the wake up call to me. Mm. And I had also, um, started, um, I had from about 14 on through my mid twenties also, um, struggled with an eating disorder. And, you know, it was just something that I never, I mean, it's not that I didn't think it was a problem. I just had not I had not yet been willing to to go into where into the place that was actually the root of this and mm. had not been willing to face those wounds. And so when my son was born, it was very much a like crisis mode. It it produced an absolute crisis in my life and I experienced extreme postpartum anxiety that didn't, it just didn't go away. You know, it was really, it was really just with me. And, and that was something that I, I got to a point of believing I just was going to have to endure and, and also got to the point of believing that I was just going to have to endure the state of the relationship between my son and I, which was not a good state. I mean, I remember actually thinking conscious thoughts. This wasn't like a sub, you know, this wasn't happening on a subconscious level. I consciously had thoughts like, I'll just have to do my best not to fuck it up until like, until he leaves home, you know, I'll just do the best I can, but it's not going to be good. I mean, that was my Mm -hmm. mentality. And, 
And I definitely wanted it to be better than that, but I just did not see any possibility for that. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until we approached um, the birth of our second son, who was who was stillborn at full term, that I truly had to decide if I was going to heal or like not keep going. You know, it wasn't at that point, it wasn't really like, well, I'll just keep tolerating <laughs> this, you know, this miserable situation. It was like, no, it's not going to be tolerable anymore. And so the beauty of that was that that experience, um, and this is like you were talking about that crisis that you faced when you were 19 years old, that crisis mm-hmm. for me, which had been an ongoing crisis, the, the year that I was pregnant with my second son, I was in the, in the most heightened state of my anxiety with my older son than I had even been when he was a young, young baby. Mm-hmm. And when, we, when he was born it began this journey of not just healing and grieving and all of all of the necessary things related to to my stillborn son Rowan but healing the relationship with my son Aiden and from there going into healing my relationship with myself and my relationship with my mother and you know all of the other things right and so now the last yeah. 6 years has just been that that journey and i love I love getting to talk about this kind of stuff because I think that everyone's experience looks so different. And, and I think there, there really are um, women who feel like motherhood, like for me, it was this activation, this, the, you know, potentially a crisis and then other people where it was like another layer. And either way, it's intense. It just brings stuff up that we, I didn't even know I was an anxious person before mm-hmm. I became a mother. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I always thought, oh, I'm not an anxious person. My mother is anxious. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. which now I know more of her story. I know that motherhood was her anxiety trigger as well. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's that comes back to what you were talking about with the lineage piece. Like we pass this stuff on. And if we don't heal it, if we don't allow it to fully come to the surface and be healed, then we will just keep passing it on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so often we don't even know what the patterns are until Mm -hmm. we come back into this mother child relationship because so much of this was ingrained, like just what you said. And it's a really interesting process now as an adult to actually be able to go back and talk to our parents. Hey, mom, like what was your world like when you were pregnant? What were your stress levels? You know, and we'll see the patterns come in in our own life. Like you saw it, right? You're like, wow, I didn't think I was an anxious person. And then it all came up because our children are this reminder, this reflection, this mirror of, of, of triggering these old subconscious beliefs and patterns that we picked up through the development of our nervous system when we were young. And a lot of those things get stored away because we're not in that, you know, parent-child relationship again. Mm-hmm deeply, right? Many of us move on and go to college and move away. And yes, we see our parents, but like my family lives on the other side of the country. So I'm rarely now at this point, you know, triggered by my family because it's so, you know, sporadic that I see them, but also I've done decades of work and I actually feel like I'm in the best place ever with my family, but I'm a 38 year old woman and it's taken me this long to be able to say that. Um, But then, you know, we become a, a mother or father and, it, it resurfaced and, and we're not even aware. And then we see it in action and it, we bring it to our awareness. And then I think that's when the questions, we start to ask the questions. Wow. Like, 
where did this birth from? Where did this come from? Is this my mother? Is this my father? It, you know, was this my caregivers? Was this my environment? And we can start to look at that. And that's when we start to do the work of the healing and, and the repatterning and the reprogramming of it all so that we don't pass this down mm-hmm. to our children, you know, so we don't give them these things, right? For you, the anxiety, for me, the abuse, whatever it is, you know, um, and what an opportunity to break, to break the cycle. Yeah. And to, and to give them not just like, not just to not give them something like, let's not sure. Let's not give them, you know, the abuse or the anxiety, but let's give them something else. And I think that's where the, the conscious parenting piece comes in. And and I'd love to hear you even just share how, like what you, what you believe conscious parenting is and how that connects, not to just like, you know, I think we tend to think of it as conscious parenting, meaning, that were for some people that might just be like, Oh, I don't spank my kids or, you know, like these very kind of specific um, behavioral, like interactive pieces on a day-to-day basis, which it's that too. But mm-hmm. like at a deeper level, what do you, Yeah. how do you see that and, and what it really is? Um, absolutely. So I see conscious parenting as the journey to awareness of self so, so oftentimes in parenting, the focus is on the child and the child's negative behavior and what you should do to correct the child's negative behavior. But when the awareness is brought back to self and our role and our triggers and um, the parts that we play in the dynamic, um, you know, where did these behaviors stem from? Where did they first learn this behavior? It had to be from someone in the home or someone outside the home. And when it's very young and very early on, it's normally within the family unit. So this awareness of self, you know, what am I bringing to the table as a parent? What limiting beliefs am I passing down to my children? What fears and insecurities are potentially negatively affecting the way that I'm parenting? Am I whole? Am I taking care of myself? Do I love myself? And when we say this all the time in love relationships, oh, if you don't love yourself, you can't love another person. So of course, this applies to us in the parenting journey, this deep journey of really Really learning how to love and honor ourselves in wholeness so that we can love and honor our children in wholeness and model this. So I'm really such a fan, and that's what conscious parenting is, is modeling the way we want our children to be in the world. And so if our children are, you know, not kind or not polite or, you know, this, that, and the other, instead of just focusing all on them coming back to us, You know, like, where's my part? What's my role? What's my influence been? And how can I work on me to heal me so that I can heal this dynamic with my child so that I can strengthen this bond and connection? And also Mm -hmm. conscious parenting is looking at our relationship with our children as a deep, deep opportunity for connection. I mean, the greatest form of love that we can give to our children is a deep connection, is a deep bond, is our deep presence, is our undivided attention, is our once nothing time. Like this deep, fluid flow of a connection with our child is going to make parenting so much easier. And then the things you talked about, um, 
you know, attention, respect, trust, how to honor our children, how to cultivate respect, how to cultivate trust, how to have really clear limits and boundaries and personal boundaries as parents so that we can parent from a place of wholeness and clarity and we can model personal boundaries to our children. Right, Oh, go go ahead. I was just going to say instead of discipline and punishment and these old ways of parenting where it's just all about the child and the behavior versus the responsibility of self. Like, am I connected with my child? Have I connected with them before I request something from them? Have I honored their emotional body before I try to instill a logical consequence? Like just really taking ownership of the process of human connection and how it works. And if we're instilling that with our children. Yeah. And I think I love what you said about that awareness of self actually facilitates that there are limits and boundaries. Because I think so many people, when they think of this kind of, this kind of a approach to, to parenting and to our relationship with our child, similarly to how many people might feel about, you know, what we would quote unquote term as attachment parenting is people think like, oh, that just means I'm a doormat. It just means that I, I'll never like my husband and I can never have sex again. Like if my 10 year old still wants to sleep with us, yeah, like I, I can't say no. Like, and, and it's not about those things. Um, it's actually about being able to have that, that respect that goes both ways, which is an ongoing, an ongoing conversation, but, but we model that. How do you mm-hmm. see that show up as you have, you know, now a five and a half year old daughter. So you've, you know, she's not, she's not a, an infant or a toddler anymore. She's now like, as I'm sure you're experiencing, like becoming increasingly independent and increasingly bold and increasingly, you know, curious and all of those things. How, how does that show up even just practically in your life? Which, which you mean sleeping, co-sleeping no, sleeping. or boundaries? No. Or? Yeah, just the piece of like what it looks like to to cultivate that respect and to mm-hmm. be able to have those conversations that are, um, you know, about what you both need from the relationship. Yeah. I mean, this is something that I've cultivated in my girl from the very beginning. And I, of course, learned this because I did overgive in the beginning. Um, you know, the first eight months of my daughter's life, I, you know, it was too much. I gave too much. I didn't take care of me. Um, I wasn't at that time really in a relationship where my partner was um, going out of his way to make sure I was honoring me and taking care of me. And I then wasn't doing it. I was just so, um, I was giving too much to my daughter. And then I went back to my consulting work very quickly. And after four months of that, realized I needed to invest back in me and my daughter. So it was kind of learning that i wasn't taking care of myself, Mm -hmm. that I took a hard right where I was like, I have to be honoring me. And here I am, you know, a coach and teaching this to others. And oftentimes, like sometimes we're not even modeling that behavior to ourselves. So at eight months, I really started taking care of me, like going to yoga. And I mean, luckily, one thing that I did from the very beginning was from a food perspective, um, I was on a healing food journey. So I just took such good care of myself from the food space, which I think is the one thing that had my nervous system, you know, just hanging on by a thread. I think if I was eating really awful foods, my, I just, my world would have collapsed. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I've done is, you know, I've modeled self-care to my daughter from the very beginning. Um, I 
communicate when I'm about to be in a situation where it's too much for me. I have meditated in front of my girl since she was very little. I have taken my girl with me to yoga since she was two years old. She's been coming with me for three years to Kundalini yoga, you know, twice a week, 90 minute classes. For the most part, it's all adults and, and me and her. I have been taking her to my gym, which is an outdoor gym that um, invites children in since she was little. She, you know, we wake up in the morning, you know, she saw me have a gratitude practice and a journaling practice. And there were years where, you know, she had her own journal and she'd wake up and she'd journal next to me. So one thing I talk about and one thing I've modeled in my own world, but I'm constantly sharing with my clients is self-care shouldn't just be separate from your child. It should absolutely be separate as well, but I see it as a marriage of both the self-care that we're modeling in front of our children and the self-care that we're doing for ourselves away from our Mm -hmm. children. And I think when we don't have both, we miss an opportunity to deeply care for ourselves and to show our children how deeply we care for ourselves. So modeling both of those is so important. And oftentimes what I see is adult things and child things are kind of, you know, separate. Like, oh, this is something that I do as an adult and behind closed doors and my child doesn't see. Like, oh, my meditation practice. And I just invite my clients and invite my families, like, just give them an opportunity, you know, and just be open to it. Like, if you can release control around the situation. And, of course, my meditations around my girl are different than my meditations on my own. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that because I don't go in with the expectation that they both have to be exactly the same. And I give myself and my daughter and the situation permission to be fluid and to be different and to be fun and to ease up. And that's been a really important part of my personal journey and process because I'm a Virgo and I like things a very specific way. And so for me to release that control is part of my healing journey. So I can let whatever needs to birth in that moment in that situation arrives. And so often something magical that I would have missed if I like stuck to the expectations or I stuck to controlling the situation, I would have missed that magical moment that came from just being open to what was going to arise and what we both needed in that moment. And I just love what you said about self-care and about having both of these components, like, yes, you know, go and get a massage and go to your yoga class and have girls nights with friends and do the things that you, that you would need to do on your own and and would want to do on your own. And yet also, I think that we have become really fixated in our society on those being the only ways that we, that we can show, you know, love and attention to ourselves. And, we tend to, it's, it's similar. It shows up similarly in relationships where it's like, well, if we don't get, you know, a weekend away, we're not going to be able to connect. The reality is, is you might not get that very often, especially when you have young kids. And so if you're relying Mm -hmm. on that, you know, bigger experience to be able to connect or that bigger experience or getaway to be able to nourish yourself, then you're probably not going to feel very nourished. You're probably not going to feel very connected because you're not, you know, you're not embracing the little day-to-day opportunities that might involve your kids, might, your kids might be around. And so I work with my clients on that a lot as well. Like, what does it look like for, for whatever, whatever opportunity there is for you to, to enter a restorative state, to allow that to be restorative, Mm -hmm. right? Like maybe you literally have a minute to lay down on the floor and close your eyes and, and, you know, whether you're just resting or meditating or whatever you're doing, like we would 
you know, most people think, well, that's just not enough. So I'm not going to be, I'm not going to do it. It's not going to work. I'm not, I'm just, Mm -hmm. it's not enough. What if it was enough? And, and not that it's the, you know, not that it's the be all end all and that you don't also want those, those other experiences, but what if that could be enough in that moment, you know? And, 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 and also like, moments of connection with your partner, you know, what if, what if embracing your partner by the fridge while your daughter is actually pulling on your legs the entire time, it is actually like a great connection. You know, we, we would say mm-hmm. like, oh, it's not mm-hmm. like, I'm, you know, my, my daughter's here and it's not enough time. And, it, you know, if we could just get away for the night, then we could connect. But there's this opportunity right here. And it's an opportunity, like you said, to not just connect, but to model that connection and the priority of that connection to your children. Yeah, absolutely. I think modeling healthy relationships to your children is so, so important. Um, You know, I'm a single mama, so I, you know, I have to do that in other ways in Mm -hmm. the world, you know, and how I, I treat people and the attention that I give to them and the empathy that I have for them, you know, and I've actually, you know, and obviously I'm, I'm in a co-parenting relationship. So the way that I respect her father and treat her father and the times that we are, all together, like that's so important. And what you were saying, like all of this, you know, the benefits of self care are cumulative, mm-hmm. you know. So if you only have one minute and you can only do three long, slow, deep breaths, but that helps down regulate your nervous system, that's going to then affect the next five minutes of your day. Right. So everything is tied in together. And I love what you brought. Um, up about the, you know, getting away with your partner and having a weekend. So often, if that's the mindset, once I do that, then I'll mm-hmm. be okay. Right. Versus that is a really slippery slope of not giving yourself permission to be okay in the moment, not giving yourself the power to shift in the moment, not giving yourself the opportunity to change an uncomfortable situation or, uh, you know, a situation with your child or your partner that's gone awry in the moment. If it's giving our power away to something outside of our ourselves versus how can we come back and connect to ourselves and be okay in this moment. And these are the tools that we're teaching our children, right? Through the full expression of their emotional body, we are teaching them how to move through the very real human emotions in life. And when a child has those tools of being able to label, access, process, express, and move through all of the pieces of their emotional body, that will be some of the greatest tools that we give our children in life. Because when they come up to a stressful situation, they're not afraid of frustration. They're not afraid of fear. They're not afraid of anger. They're not afraid of deep Mm -hmm. sadness. They know how to work through it because they had a parent that sat with them and created a safe space for them to express and honored their emotions and also express their own emotions, which maybe we talk about this. This is something, you know, I teach my families all the time. We cannot hide all of our emotions from our children to protect them. If anything, it hurts them when they don't see that we are real humans with real human emotions as well. And how are they ever going to be given an environment or a stage to feel all of their emotions if they don't see the most important? people in their world feeling them too. And of course, there's a level of, you know, um, responsibility and a level of being the adult versus being the child. You know, we don't rage out and completely fall apart, you know, um, in front of our children. But sometimes that's also the reality. I mean, even just something that you were talking about with your postpartum anxiety and stuff like this may just been a part of your world. And the more that you were able to 
you know, express it to your child, the safer of a space that it's going to be for them, you know, versus so often it's like, oh, I'm fine, or daddy's fine, or your mom is fine, or I'm fine. And your child's feeling into your emotional body and all their red flags are going up because they're like, no, you don't feel fine, but you're telling me you're fine. And now I don't know what to trust and what to believe. And I want to believe your words, but I want to trust myself. And so it's the, it's many dynamics going on in play. One, we're teaching our children not to trust themselves when we're not lying, when we're not being honest about our emotional body. And two, we're giving them two different situations, and then we're putting them in place of having to choose what they trust. Do they trust feeling into our emotional body, or do they trust their mm-hmm. words? So when we can line all of that and live in this authentic life of being able to express real emotions with our children and giving them the space to express their emotions, we just go down a path of so much more opportunity to at least give our children um, the gift of this potential embodiment in their future. And and this is also cumulative, like what we give to our kids and how that conversation and, and that modeling and that experience grows and accumulates over time is really powerful. And I love, I have a 10 year old, you know, son that's turning 10 in a few weeks. And it's really beautiful to see how we can now engage in different, in, in ways that are now appropriate that, you know, weren't when he was five, because he wouldn't have been able to have the maturity to understand or to, to have a conversation at a certain level. And and now we can, and, and the tendency or the instinct is to say like, oh, well that happened back then. Let's just like, leave it you know, let's just leave it there. Let's leave it in the past. Like, let's not go there. But the truth is, is that he, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional because, you know, I think so often, like if we had had these tools growing up, I just, I'm so grateful. And I, and I know it's not perfect. And my son will, he'll be in a therapist chair for something that I'm not even thinking about. Right. (laughs) But to be able to have a, a safe place and to know that, like we can, we can journey together. Like you're not alone. It's really powerful for kids and they want that. They want to feel safe, but they also want to like know that all of this that I experience is okay. And I'm not the only one, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, yeah. and it's not going to like, it's not going to go away when I'm an adult. It's not like I am a kid. So I have big feelings like my parents do too. And, and other people mm-hmm. in my life that are also modeling that for me do as well. And here are some of the ways that that looks across these, across this spectrum of experience. It's just really, really powerful. And I wanted to say something too about the self-care piece and, and you can weigh in on this, but something I think about a lot is that, you know, our kids pick up so much and they're so intuitive and they also read into things that, you know, aren't always there. And, you know, what does it say to our kids if the only way mommy can relax or relieve stress is to like get out of the house, right? What does that say to our kids? Mm-hmm. I mean, what I've experienced mm-hmm. is that part of that message can be like, you're the cause of the stress, <laughs> you know? I have to get away yeah. from you to be yeah. able to regulate myself. Mm-hmm. Versus being able so, to exactly what you just said, like sit in the process with our children, sit with them. You know, when they can feel safe in these really big emotional moments, that's the most powerful tool they have to move through it. If they feel like they have to feel their feelings in isolation or they have to shove them down or it's not a safe space to express them, 
what is that teaching them? What's going to be their subconscious programming when they get up, when they grow, you know, get older is, you know, I'm not allowed to feel. It's not safe to feel my emotions. When something comes up, I have to shove it down. Nobody wants to deal with my emotions. I mean, these are the the programmings that are getting instilled when children aren't allowed to cry or they aren't allowed to be frustrated or angry or sad or mad or all of the things that are very human, you know, real raw human emotions that many of us adults are trying to relearn how to process and move through. You know, you hit it. We have really big emotions too. You know, like I am an emotional female. I have, you know, rage and anger and sadness and joy and, you know, the whole, you know, the whole range. And it's been in my adult life that, and I mean, especially the darker sides of my emotions. I mean, that was a massive healing journey for me. There was programming in me that everyone only wanted to see the bright and shiny side of me. Mm-hmm. So when I was happy, when I was good, when I was content, when I was thriving, when I was successful, when I was winning medals and awards like that, I always felt like that was the side that everyone needed to see and wanting to wanted to see. Yeah. And when I realized that I was running from the darker sides of myself and that in order to be fully whole, I had to bring those into me. So I had to bring in rage. I had to bring in sadness. I had to bring in frustration and loneliness and all of these things that I was terrified of that almost like I wouldn't be lovable if I felt all of those things too. Mm -hmm. And to go through that healing journey of realizing that all of that is all of me And the more that I can dance with my light and dance with my darkness, the more that I dance in wholeness. And so I realized like I had to go through that healing journey and I've allowed my daughter to go and, you know, like she's allowed to be sad. She's allowed to be frustrated. She's allowed to be angry, you know, and she knows. I mean, this is like my mantra and my programming. I mean, I say to her all the time, like Scarlett, I love you no matter what. I love you when you're upset with me. I love you when you're sad. I love you when you're crying. There's nothing you could do and nothing you could say that could make me not love you. Mm. Because so often there's this like, there's this underlying tone of I love you when you're, you know, behave or I love you when this, Mm -hmm. you know, I want my daughter to know that even when like, even when she like comes home and tests out language on me from preschool, you know, and like one thing she's going through right now is I guess there's a lot of stupid face being said at school right now. And she'll come home and she'll be like, mommy, you're a stupid face. And I'm not like, how dare you say that? You, I'm your mother. Don't ever do, dis- you know, I'm just like, oh, hmm. like, I wonder what that means, you know? And then normally, like, normally it's a process of that. And she's like crying in my arms. And she was just like testing out like a really tough thing that maybe someone was saying to her, you know, and she was trying to see what happens with me. And like, literally, it's moments like that where I remind her, I'm like, sweetie, there's nothing you could say that could make me not love you. And I'll tell her, I'm like, you know, it doesn't really feel that good, you know, to be called that. And, you know, I change it up because I don't really want to even focus it on her behavior. And I try to neutralize these situations. So it's not like this big triggering event that she wants to come back to because she's gotten a big reaction out of Mm me. Right. And there's many ways. And this is very much part of the conscious parenting journey. Like, how we react in the moment, the contract we're making, you know, when party A does this, party B does this, contract form, you know, it's, it's how those neuropathways get created as well. So it's just one of my deepest mantras. And it's something I teach my families, like, 
remember to tell your children how much you love them in the moments of nothing. They didn't just do something. They didn't just draw a picture. They didn't just build a blockhouse. They didn't just win an award. You're just sitting at dinner. Nothing's happening. You turn to your child and you say, Scarlett, I love you so much. I'm so lucky to be your mama. I love being your mama. It makes me, you know, whatever, whatever your authentic thing is, but just remembering so our children know that we love them for who they are, not what mm-hmm. they do. And I think that's one of the most powerful messages we can relay to our children. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just want to sit with that. That's so good. Mm. I, I think this is just really the heart of of this whole experience is that, and it's, it is, it's just the connection, right? Um, we, mm-hmm. my husband and I worked with a, a coach a few years ago along very similar lines of, you know, the work that you do. And, um, and I really wanted to do that cause I'd read a number of books and it was always kind of challenging to get him and I on the same page. And so we went through this little course coaching thing. And one of the things that she taught us that has been really impactful, I think, especially for my husband. He like this this metaphor really stuck with him. But he, she said, you know, connect before directing. So we so quickly go to like, okay, it's time to clean up from dinner, and you just got home from school, and now there's these eleven things to do, and um, you know, or it's morning time. You woke up, and now we've got to get ready for the day, and like get you know here, let's let everybody you know get in line, and. And this mm-hmm. principle of like connecting first, always, always first. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. coming back to this idea that that doesn't mean we have to like go play at the park for 45 minutes. Like we can, we can train ourselves. And, and totally. Other, that's what right? we're we giving. Train each mm-hmm. other that like mm-hmm. we just need a moment, you know, that's, and that's sometimes yeah. all you have, right? In, in many moments, that's all we have is just, just that right, right now. There is something else that yeah. like, you know, there is a baby screaming or, um, you know, poop coming up a back or um, dinner's on the stove yeah. or, you know, the school exactly. bus is waiting or whatever it is. Absolutely. Those are realities. We can't pretend they don't exist. And yet, and yet if we train ourselves that all we need is that moment and that that connection is the utmost priority, we can reprogram so much. Yeah, it's so true. And I call it, so um, when I work with my clients, I, I say reconnect before request. Mm, yeah. So every time, and I, I literally lay it out, if you have 100 requests throughout the day, you have 100 reconnections throughout the day. Mm. And look at it as like a cup. Unless you're filling your child's cup up, don't ask them to pour from out of it. You know, it's the same thing. Like, you know, we say you can't operate from, you know, a, a half filled cup, you know, or depleted cup or put your oxygen mask on for you know, all of, you know, all of these like, you know, um, sayings and symbolisms and everything. But reconnecting with our child, form, re- forming that reconnection, forming that bond. And it looks very different with every child with with um, um, with boys. Um, they really need our presence and really need our eye contact, you know, to like draw them in. And sometimes you can get away with not doing that with, you know, a little girl. But really my my theme across the board is if you can in any moments, get down on your child's level, 
meal. Sometimes this literally can take 20 seconds. Get down on their level, look them in the eye, touch their arm, you know, caress their hand, look at them, you know, like Scarlett, oh, did you just draw that picture? That's so colorful, you know? And that's just like one moment of reconnection. And then you could say, soon, soon it's going to be time to clean up and get ready for dinner. You know, instead of just like what you said, going right to Scarlett, it's time for dinner. Let's clean up. You know, I'm asking something from her without reconnecting, without honoring, without seeing her, without validating her, without, you know, reforming that bond that's so, you know, deeply ingrained with us. And don't get me wrong, like when you've done this for years, you can get away with, you know, moments of maybe not doing it. It's like, it's like eating, right? Like if you eat healthy 90% of the time, then 10% of the time that, you know, not eating the greatest foods on the planet probably aren't going to take down your health. You know, if you honor and respect and slow down and are present and you give your child attention 90% of the time, you can probably get away with that 10% of the time. You know, those mornings where you're like, normally, normally we have time for this today. Today we're in a hurry. Today I need you to get dressed really quickly. And that's where we buy those moments because life happens, right? Like life's not always going to be on track. I mean, if anything, we probably every person on the planet knows that. And, you know, we have hiccups, we have things that come up, we have things that are, you know, wrenches that are thrown into our day. And this is where we get those opportunities because we filled up our child's cup so much and so often that they're willing to invest back in us in a moment of stress or a moment of hustle or a moment of whatever it may be, you know? And allows us to be responsive instead of reactive in those moments that sometimes just are stressful no matter what. And, yeah. and I think too, with, you know, with my son, who's 10, um, I love what you said about, about boys and, and it changes obviously over time. Like when Aiden was mm-hmm. little, you know, to connect with him, you just had to like get on the ground and play Legos with him. That was all it took. And, and really th- the best possible <laughs> thing that you could do to connect with him. And now what I'm noticing is that what makes him feel the most connected is that is to ask him, like, he's always doing something. He's so, um, he's so like kinesthetic and hands-on and like, you know, mechanical. And he's always like building something or, you know, digging in something or, um, and just so just asking him like, oh, what are, what are you building right there? Or tell me about what you're reading or, and I mean, he is so, it's almost, it's almost sometimes like shocking how quickly he's like, oh yeah, let me tell you all about this thing. You're, you almost mm-hmm. like you forget. You almost doubt that, you know, that he, he will want to share, that he will want to connect. And I should use the I should use the pronoun I, not you. <laughs> you know, I sometimes yeah. doubt that. I'm like, oh, I'll, I'm asking this for no reason. And then he just lights up. He just wants to share his world with me, right? Yeah. Attention is the greatest form of love. Presence is the greatest form of love. We're saying, hi, I love you. Share with me what you're doing. And children, this is their, children have the most expansive imagination and creativity. They're designed to play. We're all as humans designed to play. And I think we forget this. We forget that we also have an inner child in addition to being an adult. There will always be a childlike essence to all of us. Mm. And our children get to be this beautiful reminder of like, wow, 
I like to play. I like to dance. I like to laugh. I've, I've lost these aspects of myself or I've forgotten these aspects of myself, but it's also a way. And this is one of the ways that I teach my families to build the cultivation of communication. Because when a child is young, one of the things that they can explain before they can explain their feelings is what they're doing and what they're playing. Mm -hmm. So if we get into the habit of asking our child, tell me, you know, like when my daughter draws a picture, you know, I gave the example of dinner, but normally when she's drawing a picture, I'll be like, oh, she'll be like, mom, I drew your pictures in it. So amazing, blah, blah, blah. I won't be like, oh, good job. That's so beautiful. I'm like, oh, wow, you drew that for me. Tell me about it. You know, and I get her talking. I get her explaining. So we're in this habit of communication since she was a little girl. And so now as she's gotten older, she's starting to communicate how she feels and what she wants and what her boundaries are and what doesn't work for for her and what makes her not feel good. She'll be like, mom, I didn't like when you asked me that in that way. I didn't like the way you said blah, blah, blah. She doesn't know how to say, I don't like the tone of that, but she'll be like, if I'm just a little off and I'm not yelling or anything, but like she can tell I'm annoyed and I say something a little bit differently. She'll be like, mom, I didn't like the way you just said that. That didn't feel good in my body. Are you upset with me? like so clear. So she catches me, you know, before I kind of get upset or yell or this, she can catch me because she's so tuned into that. But we've cultivated this dynamic of communication. And initially it is through play. So I love that you have that with your boy. And I love that you guys are in that space of communication because it's through play that we initially connect and then and not, not just connect through play, but where we start to extend the conversation, Mm -hmm. right? And then we're able to talk about feelings and then we're able to talk about boundaries and then we're able to talk about so many other things because we're not instilling something new. We're like, okay, now let's go into a deep conversation about this. It's just now we're going into a deep conversation about something else. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's really, that's really impactful. I'm feeling very inspired. I also have a two-year-old daughter and I see a lot of what you're describing in her. Like she's so attuned to my emotional state and we have a really, really, really strong bond. Um, and she will, you know, she's only two, so she definitely doesn't have a lot of language, but she'll look at me and she'll say, are you happy? Or Mm. are you serious? You know, and she's Mm. just so, so, so aware. And, and when she says those things, it is because of the subtlest shift. It is not because Mm -hmm. I just like, you know, was crying or, um, you know, showing that I was really frustrated or really, you know, stern or mad or any of those things. I mean, we're talking about like the subtlest shifts and she will just look Mm -hmm. at you and usually like grab my face. Are you, are you happy? (laughs) You know? And that's like for her, that's the, that's the box. Like she, you know, she has a limited understanding of, of different emotional states. So that's like one of the, you know, one of her current, you know, buckets for how a person might be feeling but it's really Mm -hmm. she's so sensitive in that way totally and so she has a pretty expansive understanding of the way it feels in her body Mm -hmm. she may not be able to express those feelings but she can feel it I mean it's I and I see this you know mother and child you know even father across the board but especially that mother daughter 
connection through that nervous system is so fine tuned. And the more that we're aware of that sensitivity, the more that we can um, be programming our child's nervous system in the most positive way possible. You guys are still very much sharing that nervous system. You know what I mean? Like, yes, she has her own and it's developing, but the main development of a child's nervous system is zero to seven. And they say really the, the nervous system develops till about like mid twenties, but zero to seven is that main programming. And then seven to 25, it's still developing. Um, but like anything else, the main development is in those early years. Same with brain development and all of that. So, I love that you have like you have those moments and our children are are reminders that they are picking up on everything. You know, she's like, "Mama, basically what she's saying is, "Mama, I feel you. Mm-hmm. I feel you. I feel it in my body and I love you and I'm here for you. And what does that mean? And can I connect with you?" And I just I think those moments and slowing down and really leaning into those moments are such opportunities for connection with our children and opportunities to start that deep development of empathy and compassion in other people, you know, and my daughter used to do this. She still does the same thing. Isn't it the sweetest thing when they come and put their hands on your face and mama, are you okay? Are you, are you sad mama? You know, and I'm just like, oh, my God, I always say the relationship I have with my daughter is the relationship I've wanted to have with another human my entire life. The way that she sees me and the way that she validates and honors and respects me is like, I mean, it's literally what I've been craving my my whole life Mm -hmm. to have a relationship with another human like that. Wow. Well, that's a beautiful gift to you. And 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 not that you did something to deserve that, you know, we all deserve that in just in our, in our existence, in our beingness. Mm -hmm. Um, And also you intentionally put yourself on a path to, to heal and to facilitate that connection. And that's so beautiful. Really, really beautiful. So for, for all the mamas that are listening to this, you know, so many, so many people that listen to the show have young children at home, just like we do. Um, and for some, this might be just totally a new conversation or it might be the path they're already on. Is there something that you would share and say uh, as a, as a means of beginning this journey or, um, opening up this, this path of healing through this way of, of being with our children? And, and like you said, that path to self-awareness, what would you say to women as a starting point? Yeah. So precursor to the starting point, like before our children, but even with our children are there, I truly think the most important piece is learning how to take care of ourselves. Um, And when we get to wear that hat, instead of thinking it's anyone else's job to heal us or fix us or help us or save us, then we get to take our power back. So that is the journey of self-love through the practices of self-care. And I know that's a big statement and I know there's so much about that, but it really is so important. So the precursor to that is learning how to take care of ourselves, learning how to forgive ourselves, learning how to be kind to ourselves, learning how to be gentle, whatever it is, you know, whatever our, you know, 
you know, our un- negative patterns, right? You know, self-sabotage, negative self-talk, emotional eating, you know, whatever it is, staying up too late, not sleeping well, you know, first starting to look at those. And then when we're really starting to nourish ourselves and we have a little bit more of the essence of wholeness and that essence of like, okay, I'm trying to love myself. I'm trying to be kind to myself. I'm trying to forgive and be gentle with myself. Then the next piece is in this parenting journey, one of the most powerful things we can do is every moment we feel triggered from our child to step back and bring the awareness back to self Mm. is what my child's doing. They're not doing it to me. They're not doing it against me. They're not doing it, you know, like, you know, rewriting that story and in that moment saying, okay, how am I triggered by this? What is my background, my limiting beliefs, my subconscious beliefs, you know, my conscious reality right now? How is this playing into my potential reaction to my child right now? And how can I take ownership? How can I do something for myself? How can I at least write this down, write down the triggers, write down every time before I react? That is one of the most powerful ways to step onto this conscious parenting journey. And yes, there's so much more. There's learning how to communicate limits and boundaries, learning how to cultivate respect with our children, direct communication, taking out the we, you know, speaking in eyes, you know, what I want, all of these things. But I think before all of that happens, and you can do it all at the same time, but one of the most powerful ways without having all of those language tools and conscious parenting tips and tools and all of that is just looking at your triggers and asking yourself, is this really about my child? Or is this about me? Is this really about my child? Or did I not sleep last night? Is this really about my child? Or was I never allowed to yell as a kid? And now my child's yelling, and it is awakening some big unconscious wound and fear in me, because maybe I got scolded when I yelled, or I got hit when I was yelled. And now it's causing a traumatic response in me. And I'm either going to continue that pattern of a traumatic response and taking it out on my child, or I'm going to realize that this is a deep wound and trigger within me and I have the opportunity to heal this. Hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I, for anyone listening, um, you have to follow. <laughs> you have to follow Tamara on Instagram um, at Welly. Is it at Welly Nest? Yeah, W-E-L-L-Y, Welly Nest, like a little bird's nest. <laughs> I just love what you share there and it's just this great mix of going really deep into the kinds of things we're talking about and then also just some really amazing practical day-to-day tips on, you know, on just how, how we respond in all of these inevitable moments that come up as parents of young children, you know, not just young children, but, but that's where so many of us are and definitely where so many of us feel in the trenches. Um, so, Tamara House. I'm sorry, I just said your name wrong. Yeah, no, you said it perfectly. <laughs> I? Oh, good. Tamara. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you tell us how else people can find you and also how people can work with you? Because what you do is amazing. And I and I think there's so many, you know, women in this community that would really, really benefit from connecting with you. 
Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Um, so you can find me on Instagram, just like you shared. That's probably my biggest social platform. Um, and I'm just now investing more time and trying to put more and more content out there for all of my families and just any, you know, human and parent out there. Um, all of my information on the ways that you can work with me are on my website, which is just wellingness.com. Um, I work with clients um, privately all over the country and beyond. Um, I work with my LA clients here in person oftentimes, but also remotely via Skype. Um, And I create packages and programs for my clients. And um, you can also work with me in a group setting. I have a virtual conscious parenting course. Um, I'm actually halfway through um, a course, uh, the current course right now. Um, it's an eight week program and it's designed to go through so many of the things we talked about, right? We dive into conscious parenting, awareness of self, the journey to wholeness, you know, our triggers, conscious communication, boundaries and limits, the brain, the nervous system, all of that. Um, so it's an eight week virtual course. You can join from anywhere in the world. The next one's in September. So I run them you know, normally a couple times a year, um, at least twice. So the second one this year will be in September. And um, I teach um, local workshops here in LA for anyone that's in the LA area, Wild Child and Women's Space and other places. And yeah, I, I, I like to be as available as possible to, you know, my online community and, and just really want to be in service Um in as many ways as possible. And um, I love connecting with other amazing, you know, female run businesses doing amazing work in the world. So Melissa, thank you so much for all of all that you bring to the table. And I feel like it truly takes a village, you know, and, and, and one thing that's maybe not talked about enough is that we all need support in whatever area that we're struggling in. And I, I don't think anyone can truly do this, this journey, this healing journey on their own. And I'm so grateful for the people that I have in my life. And um, I'm grateful for the people that I get to help and support and guide as well. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing today. I, I know this is just going to be an amazing, amazing conversation to share with, with our community. So like, t- like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, Tamara and I will be doing a live conversation on Instagram next week. That's going to be on Tuesday, July 16th at 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. That's noon Pacific Standard Time on July 16th. You can email me questions that you have that you'd love for us to talk about in more depth at melissa at motherbirth.co. And I'd love to have you guys participate with us on that call. So again, Tuesday, July 16th at noon Pacific Standard Time. Join us on Instagram at motherbirth.co for an amazing follow-up conversation where we will answer your questions and connect with you guys. Thanks for listening to Mother Birth. A special thanks to our editors, sponsors, and guests for this week's show. To learn more about working with me one-on-one or in one of my online courses or group programs, connect with me on Instagram at motherbirth.co or at my website, www.motherbirth.co, where you'll also find amazing community conversations and free resources. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. This show is created by Melissa Reeves, and it is intended as general information that does not constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with a primary care provider with respect to your medical care if you are pregnant, planning to become pregnant, or are in the postpartum period. 
In this episode, I may use affiliate links to products and services that I know and trust. These are products I have personal experience with and believe that they will benefit this community. When you use these links, Motherbirth receives a small commission. What you pay for the product or service doesn't change at all. It's the same price. If I share something that includes a discount code, I may still receive an affiliate commission without affecting the discount offered to you. Thank you for supporting the show.